0: everybody, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not out attempting to be a consummate athlete, I'm probably indoors on a computer writing about how to be a consummate athlete.
1: And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. I work mostly with uh, Masters or adult clients who are trying to do crazy things with busy schedules. Um, And really just trying to be consummate athletes and that is someone who you know does a variety of different movements and gets outdoors and does it in a community Uh, And that's what we talk about here on the consummate athlete podcast
0: How many times can we say consummate in one episode? We'll find out Um, So Peter, what have we been up to this week?
1: Well, we're still very fortunate to be in California uh, so I've been bike riding and molly's been easing her way back into running training after some time off with Knee pain and also undertaking elite cycling training randomly
0: I mean, why wouldn't you right?
1: I guess the opportunity presented itself and I guess was timely with your injury So mm. you were able to mix that in
0: Yeah, I have to actually add a shout out as far as we have been trying to do a, a one thing we're into this week uh, on every episode I'm going to give mine this week to the Interval app. It's just a free app for iPhone, and you can set it basically so you can do high-low is sort of the normal point of it, but I've been using it for run-walk, so, you know, I've been slowly ramping up my run volume, and I've found, you know, the biggest thing that was making my knee sort of regress was just going out and hitting even 30 minute runs. So I've been breaking it up. I started with like one minute on, one minute off and the interval app, you know, dings every minute for you once you set it to whatever. I'm now up to two and a half minutes of running and then 30 second break. And I can do that for pretty much forever and no problems, but it's been really easy to have that dinging in my ear so I don't get caught off, you know, trying to check my watch.
1: Yeah, I think I told you about that. It's I think I use that in the gym. I think that's the one I use in the gym for timing things when we're doing sort of timed circuit training or something with clients.
0: Yeah, and that's definitely what it's more meant for, I think, but it's been working perfectly and it can play in the background so I'm still listening to podcasts and music. Yeah, I think and... it's
1: open to whatever. It's it's just the the thing is it's like it lets you set up a Tabata interval or any sort of like if you want to do a six minute interval with a one minute off or whatever, right? And that could be walking or coasting or laying on the ground between your crossfitting
0: yeah i will say that today i had a bit of an issue with it where i started it and it was fine and for some reason it must have x'd out i think my iPhone's just a little bit uh weird lately um so it x'd out and i was running my first interval and i'm like huh two and a half minutes feels like a really long time uh And did that for like, I think five minutes before I finally was like, I'm going to check and see how much time I have left and realized that it had stopped. Um, but that's the first time it's happened and I've been using it for almost a month now with no issues. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my one thing. Peter, do you have any?
1: Last week I was on the sardines or two weeks ago. So I've, I've been pretty much keeping up my sardines every day. Um. Lately, I've been doing that with some hot sauce and some arugula. I think I might have said that before. I don't know if I have a a new thing. I've been I've been getting a lot of clients to to go and walk. It's been sort of really miserable at home and the general Toronto area, greater Toronto area.
0: That's definitely your one thing. That's all you've been talking about lately. Yeah,
1: so we've been like seeing what the heart rate response is. And, you know, I have a range of clients. Like I say, some folks are sort of getting, are, are newer to endurance sports. Some are very endurance trained. Um, so it's just interesting. I'm just sort of collecting data. on just, you know, what is that heart rate response on flat walking? And I don't know if there's any huge conclusions, but I think, you know, some of the heart rates are higher. And, and so that might mean that walking is actually you know, a, a training method that we could use fairly easily with some of these folks who are just getting into training, right? That cardiovascular load is actually significant enough, right? So yeah. I yeah.
0: I mean, there's that saying you have to walk before you can run. And I think I'd say a lot of cyclists in particular kind of fall into that. Uh, they want to run right off the bat, but really walking would provide, you know, as much like just a ton of stimulus for that you know low endurance level
1: well i think if you run i think that's a no-brainer but Mm -hmm. uh for cyclists it's maybe a slightly bigger stretch but like i say the when we're talking about cross training you know if the the cardiovascular load is there i think that's at least for the short term that that's probably a good thing and something that could be combined with you know a trainer ride right and that or a cycling you know or anything um to just get a little longer workout without it being quite so miserable right you can walk with your family or we've talked about that lots and that's sort of the base of our consummate athlete lifestyle i guess
0: yeah definitely um speaking of people living the consummate athlete lifestyle let's get into today's guest uh james slousen who is a This is actually the first time we're doing something like this on the show. So please let us know, you know, what you think about it. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram or, you know, through the contact page on our site. But we actually wanted to talk to someone who is sort of embodying the real life consummate athlete thing. You know, someone who's not a former elite racer or, you know, current elite racer you know has no aspirations of going pro in a certain category at some point just really loves the idea of you know staying active staying healthy getting out on adventures yeah
1: I think this is sort of like you know on different tv shows and stuff they'll say oh we will take a look you know at the end of the show they often do it we'll take a look at what the listeners are up to or, or whatever and so today we have James Lawson who is actually a doctor so I say it to him at the end and I think he's actually quite qualified to be on the show just as a, a legitimate guest but he's had the idea of sort of having listeners and was game for it. So him and I have a a really interesting conversation, one that I I really enjoyed. And again, as a doctor and someone who's got a fair bit of experience in different sports, we had, you know, I I think came away with a really good conversation.
0: Yeah. So again, let us know what you think of this episode. And I mean, if you or someone, you know, seems like they would be a great fit, maybe hit us up again on the consummateathlete.com contact page. Um, yeah, and without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Enjoy.
2: A year or two before I started listening to you all, you know, I wanted—I I became more of the consummate athlete and all around lifting, yoga, running, and less cycling. I'm just more interested in my long-term health and longevity, and you know, physical and emotional fitness. So.
1: Well, why don't you jump in? I mean, um, this is all good so far, but tell us a bit. You know, you're a physician and stuff. What, what changed there, you know, like you say, two or three years ago, why, you know, you were a lifelong cyclist, but why start looking at running or these other aspects of health?
2: Well, you know, I'd always run, and I'd always kind of enjoyed it. Once you really get into hardcore road cycling, you know, there is that kind of elite attitude with road cyclists and boy they really look down on runners and triathletes and and uh and so i would, I would always run in the winter time for variety and a little endurance and things like that but um i just i got away from running just because i wanted to maximize my cycling performance and it was all about don't do anything you know that could compromise your cycling so that's that's why i got away from running i would pick it up in the winter and and it would be nice, and then I just uh, started enjoying it a little more, and I, these people that are doing these streaks, a boss that I currently have, he's been running a mile a day for 10 years, and my wife was doing it for a while until she broke her leg, and now she walks every day, and uh, <clears throat> when I got just kind of a little more turned on to running three, four years ago, I was like, let me see if there's something I can do um, running-wise, without too much detriment to my to my cycling. So I, I picked a half an hour a day which has worked really really well. Um, uh, you know I, I, I wanted to do something that would if I did nothing else during the day it would give me a true workout but um, it wouldn't really diminish my cycling performance and I could still do something later in the day if, if I wanted to. And plus it's sustainable, uh, mentally sustainable. And, uh, and I got reaffirmation of that this December because I kind of ramped up my running this winter, building up some endurance. So I'd, I did an hour a day in December. And that was really hard. That was really hard physically and that was really hard mentally doing that. So my half hour has been good. So then after I added cycling or running back, I started lifting a little bit again. And, uh, and then I got turned on to some yoga and, and meditation and just kind of the whole package. And uh, it's, it's been a great journey.
1: So I would imagine what, I, what I've personally found is that the running is definitely helpful when, you know, you're, you're busy or the weather's bad or you're traveling. Um, is that what you have sort of found, like it almost lets you continue with your training program because you can't be on your bike all the time?
2: Yeah, and it keeps you—it keeps you accountable. Um, you know, habits are so hard to make and so easy to break. And if you run every day, you're obviously active every day, and so that just kind of keeps you in that athlete mindset. But yeah, we we travel a lot. I'm a ER physician, so I've kind of set my life up where I only work a certain shift. I work night shifts, and I work for two weeks a month, and so we're off for. Two weeks a month, and we drive around everywhere, and um, and so I, I run at different times a day. If we're driving, I may get out and run before midnight um, somewhere. It just having that having that um, ability to to jump around and and pick different times makes running easier. You know, you can't really cycle for thirty minutes a day in different environments and getting ready and, and all that.
1: Yeah. Especially when you're on the road um, and, or at night, I guess too. Um, so I'm wondering where do you find the time then to ride? Like is that you're riding mostly then when you're not on those two weeks on?
2: Well, I do schedule and I, I make sure that I, I kind of put my loose workout plan on my calendar. And uh, generally I will work all night and I'll run 30 minutes in the morning and then I usually get up a couple hours before work and I'll, and I'll ride or I'll lift <clears throat> when I'm off. I obviously I ride a little more, but, uh, you know, I, I, generally try to do two things in one day.
1: Really like that. Yeah. The frequency thing is, I think an underutilized aspect of fitness.
2: Yeah. And, and I've been careful and I, you know, listen to my body. Um, I think you all use the HRV for training app, and I've been using that for several years, and I pay attention to that. And uh, some days I, I really try to listen to my body. Um, that's the hard part, right, because your mind is always telling you 12 good reasons not to go for a run or for a ride, all of which are legitimate, and you could easily go to sleep and sleep well. Um, but your body, that's the one that really gives you the signals that – that say whether you should do it or not. That's the challenge, knowing which is which is right.
1: Have you found with the HRV for training, like do you modify if you get sort of a red day where you maybe walk or do yoga instead of, you know, hit a high intensity? Like have you sort of started tweaking things that way with it or, or wh- have, what have you found with the HRV app?
2: Well, I, I will, you know, I, I run every day and I use an app while I'm running called Zombies Run and it's an interesting app that gives a story of a zombie's apocalypse, and it's in season eight. Um, and there's a feature where you can turn chases on. You can be chased by zombies.
1: So I think Molly is going to be terrified, but also love this. So this is good.
2: And, and so oh, this is fantastic. This, actually, I'd I forgotten. That's, zombies Run is is one of the reasons I really got back into running also. Uh, we can expound on that in a second, but uh, so anyway, so you can turn chases on, and you, you get like random. I think it's a, you can you can select it, but I've got it selected to two to three chases per 30 minutes, and they're random during the run. And it's a it's about a 30 second sprint where if you s- increase your speed, say 20 percent. You elude the zombies, and if you don't increase your speed, they they catch you, or you have to drop an item, and they you get evaded. So, so on days that um, that my HRV is low and I'm not doing good, I turn the chases off. So I modify that a little bit. You know, if I've got a hard ride planned or a group ride, I'll sit in more. You know, I, so I definitely will try to listen to that because I think, you know, as a physician, I will tell you that HRV for training. Um, heart rate variability is the single most important thing that everybody should do, and it's free essentially.
1: And I think, especially in the way they've done it, where it's you're also doing some of the subjective measures, right? That I think are also well supported. Things like the motivation and sleep and um, soreness, things like that.
2: Absolutely. And there's other platforms. There's Elite HRV, and and then there's just some HRV apps that you can just look at your HRV but the guy that's doing HRV for training I think did you guys interview Marco Altini
1: yeah we've had him on twice actually yeah and uh, I've done a bit of work with him and I'm playing around with the pro software now for them as well
2: yeah and he is I mean his his research is first class his you know algorithms and and the way it's it's not just oh your HRV is this today you should run or that you know so yeah it's it's massaged very well and it's Really, really useful.
1: Awesome. Um, So then, we have night shift, and then I see you. You sort of sent me a bunch of stuff here, and I'm sort of working through it. Uh, Tell me a bit about you know the food bit. We've talked a bit about sleep and the importance of sort of rest, and you know you're mixing up your exercises. You definitely qualify as a consummate athlete. Um, What are you doing food wise? Well. You know, I, I've always kind of,
2: you know, as a physician and someone who's interested in health, I've always tried to eat well and kind of gone with the trends of what, what's being promoted as the most healthful eating at the time. Um, so probably eight years or so, I, I started eating, eating vegetarian um, because that's really, you know, if if you... If you chose a population and said, you can only have one diet, you know, and we want to maximize the health of the population, it's vegetarian. And, and I can I think I can defend that. Um, so I, I said, I'm going to do vegetarian. You know, people that are in vegetarian pockets of the world don't get heart disease and they live longer. There's, a lot of the blue zones are vegetarian. So I did that. And... That was fine. I, I enjoyed it. As a typical vegetarian, I probably ate a little too much sweets and processed sugars because that's the challenge, right, is is, being a good vegetarian. Uh, but we're, we're pretty good about it. I would go off it um, when I'd go to Milwaukee every summer and eat some bratwurst and, and things like that. But there's a couple of young kids in my town that are top-notch cyclists. And I started working with them and kind of coaching them. And I really got into the science and reading again of what what the current thoughts are in fitness and nutrition and this, that, the other. And you know, one thing I kind of came across was, you know, the general population probably would do the best with vegetarianism, but as Peter Glasper would like to say, you know, for the individual, it depends. And so for an athlete, probably a whole food diet, including meat, is is more important and just as healthy, if not healthier, for long term success of you know, my my goal is to live to hundred years old and to get sick about three days before I die. And that's just kind of what I'm trying to maximize.
1: Yeah. Go out in a big ball of flames all at once. Yeah.
2: And and so, you know, I don't I don't mind being wrong about things. And changing what I do, I'm not going to stick to to what I do because you know because of stubbornness. So I just went back to eating a whole diet and meat, and that's how that that journey
1: went. I love it. Yeah, and there's definitely a crossover, right? There's Molly. I'll be the first one to say that she was basically like an Oreo and uh, like vegetarian pizza type vegan, and got quite sick doing that in triathlon. Um, you know, and then there's the the argument against meat and it's it's very similar, right? Like a lot of the people are eating really poorly and poor choices of meat and stuff, right? And you don't really get, you know, the examples of someone who's eating, you know, only a little bit of grass-fed meat and a couple good servings of, you know, some sustainably caught fish or something like that and not to excess uh, and then just a ton of veggies on top of that, right? So sort of like vegan plus, you know, responsibly farmed and, and maintained meat. Um, you don't really get that. What does that look like, right? Is that person healthy? Is that person rolling pretty well? Um, And you're right, there's probably variation between people too, right? There's the people that maybe would be better with the vegetarian diet and people that would be better perhaps even just with like the full-out all-meat diet maybe.
2: Yeah, I think of meat like I think of alcohol. You know, there's this thought and there's some truth to it that a couple glasses of wine a day is healthy. Well, if you look at where that comes from, you know, that's in an unhealthy population. So if you have hypertension, diabetes, you're obese and you smoke, a couple of glasses of wine will actually lower your risk of heart disease. But if you don't do any of those things, if you if you get your proper sleep and you're an athlete and you don't have diseases and take drugs, alcohol is only a toxin. It's It, it will not... Enhance your lifespan or your health, and so meat's really the same way, right? If if you're not healthy, eating meat's going to be bad for you. But yeah. if you are a healthy person, it's going to be good for you because it's what sustains your health. So if, if that makes sense,
1: I think that's the great insight, right? And that's even with training, um, which is I guess more in my wheelhouse. The you, you see the same thing, right? People want to argue uh, sweet spot versus polarized. Was, was the 2018 big debate? Uh, and, it, and it just is so much depends on what type of person and engine you've already built right and what you'll benefit from so I think that's a, a really good insight that the the nutrition that you need right now is going to evolve based on what you've done um, and just the environment you're in right
2: exactly right you know you just slowly build on your on your platform on your foundation that you and then you don't make dramatic changes. That's, that's the key is, is, and that's what I've been excited about is, you know, re, you know, like Molly's book on nutrition is fantastic. I think because uh, nutrition research is terrible and it has to be terrible because it's just difficult to do. Um, so if you're an athlete that's looking for nutrition tips you should read a book like Molly's because she's interviewed athletes so it's like what is working what are athletes actually eating and not not what the science in the lab says or what people recall that they're eating in a survey and so you know reading the books um, the endurance diet you know what are what are all the athletes around the world doing and then saying okay well what am i eating and then, rather than changing what I'm eating today to exactly what everybody else is eating tomorrow, it's like, well, let's just add a little of this, subtract a little of that, see if I like that, see if I don't, you know, making the small changes and in, in, in of all of your training, right, all of your life, and so the eating's just an example of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I always say like it's, you're not at zero percent whatever you're doing, right, so don't don't like wipe it all out and start again, you may as well, do you know whatever you're doing and then okay i'm going to try having sardines every day at lunch which is what i'm doing th- at the moment um and, and just see what's what's the difference right um taking alcohol out for a week and seeing what's the difference right um it, it's watch your
2: heart rate variability and, and like yeah. that
1: too while you do that i mean you can I,
2: i'm really into quantification that's that's the biggest reason i love strava is just because i've been quantifying what i've been doing for 10 years and uh, you know, I do, I do my fitness pal, and I can quantify everything. Right. Um, for some people, that may be a little too obsessive. You know for me, it works, and it's and it works for me. Um, so
1: so we've talked nutrition, we've talked a bit about training. Um, you had another quote here. I'm just trying to find it about the game of life do you recall that that quote yes
2: oh are we getting into my life philosophies or or some people might call dad isms yeah
1: i mean i'm all for like uh old guy jokes here so uh, i think that covers though you know it gets sort of the mental side of it too and sort of how you look at things
2: yeah i've got a lot of uh you know i work with a lot of just super bright young people uh, nurses technicians clerks people in the medical field are just bright it's a pleasure to work with you know but they're all 30 years younger than me and uh and we work nights and sometimes it's really busy and we're real close and sometimes it's not so busy so we chat and I try to give I try to give people that want insider advice and inside, I try not to force stuff but but I'll say things now and then that uh they'll be interested in so we'll talk so they've got a list of, of my life rules and and one of them is uh you know most games the, the way to win most games is to never play, you know, like, okay, the prison system is horrible in the U S well don't enter the prison system. Um, you know, just things like that. Uh, um, but, but you have to play the game of life, right? There we're alive and we're only going to be alive for so long and we're only going to have one carcass to carry us through it. So, so that's the game of life that, that's the game you got to play and that's where just maximizing your health and fitness uh, is so important to me and and what I stress to people that want to hear about it.
1: Yeah. And I think that fits with that no dramatic changes either, right? Like it's, it's just sort of, you're trying to get one more point, I guess if we're gamifying it right each, each day or each week, we're just trying to get a little bit better knowing in the back that you're not really done. I guess you're done at some point, but um, you're not winning at any point, right?
2: Right, right. You won't know until the final analysis, but you get signals, you know? Um, we, were, we were laughing last night at work because we often will see patients from the emergency department at restaurants or, or at our local grocery stores. It's a little uncomfortable, a little weird. And I just kind of had this epiphany when I was at the gym the other night and I looked around and I said, you know something? We will never see our patients at the gym, will we? It's kind of a safe space. So um, so that's a little signal, right, that we're doing the right things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yes. With that, though, is that sad, though, that you don't see them at the gym?
2: No, it's not. You know, people people will do what they do. They have choices. They have knowledge. And... and uh, You know, I I liken it to my when I did more office-based stuff and primary care medicine, and, and I was in the military, and these older gentlemen would say, well, the government got me addicted to cigarettes, and yada, 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 and I'd say, well, you know, it was 1963 that the Surgeon General came out and said, tobacco and cigarettes are bad for your health. You know, you've had this knowledge for 20, 30 years, so... It's a cop-out to say that it's not your fault and that you don't have a choice and that you can't be doing something about it. And that's how I feel about health, nutrition, and fitness is people have the knowledge and, and they're making their own choices. So I, I don't feel bad. I, you know, I, I'm just very in-the-moment person to accept someone for who they are. And, and their journey is their journey. I don't right. judge us
1: yeah i mean i think there's a wisdom to that right and i think the more you can get someone advocating for themselves i guess is the way they talk about it um you know certainly in the population i deal with where it's people who are trying to train for a somewhat arbitrary thing right ultimately it's not life and death any of it right we're not and few of us are going for any sort of money or large winnings uh with cycling or any other of, of these sports but um when we have an injury or an illness right it's a lot of people i think sometimes expect you know the doctor or or whoever to be doing everything and so much of it is advocating for yourself and and doing a bit of this you know you're doing your hrv for training or your daily run or tweaking the diet right
2: watching my weights and i don't get sick very often because i work out every day i don't get injured because i work out every day and i'm Doing it for a long time, I've got a good foundation. Um, going back to whether I feel a sense of sadness for the patients or anything like that, and, and I and I don't. You know, I don't want to sound too callous. You know, I do think personally I have an obligation to at least set an example. You know, and and that's always been an area of consternation is healthcare people that smoke or healthcare people that now are very obese because obesity is so rampant. You know, so. I think I have an obligation. You can tell if someone's fit when they walk in the room. You know, I have an obligation to, to portray health, and also to the people that I work with. You know, because I run every morning, and sometimes some people run with me, and and just the fact that they know I run every morning, they'll will put that in some people's mind that that's a good thing to do. And so, so I do try to set an example. I haven't given up on people, if that's kind of how I came across, but uh, um, you know, you do have to let people do their own thing
1: yeah and, and like you say give them space to change but you can't push them towards that right like it's in no way you're especially in the emergency room it's not your job to you know encourage them to start running or something right it's really well beyond the emergency room
2: right right that's that was more when i was in primary care um you know the person that would come and say well dr Slauson, and i could get hit by a truck on the way out the door i said yeah i know but you're probably not so you've got to lose some weight and stop smoking and exercise, sure things like that so
1: yeah some of that the chances of diabetes versus getting hit by a, a truck um interesting so you gave us a bunch of book recommendations and i'll, I'll try and put links to most of those uh, but if you could pick one maybe one last year that you felt was like really just like blew your mind and, and you've mentioned molly's but beyond sort of molly stuff what uh what books sort of just caught your eye last year
2: are you talking about the stuff that uh that I've read because because I've read about a dozen books from you all. Thank you so much. Oh, and, thank you.
1: Um, really, any just to, even what comes to mind first is just you know changed the way you thought about something or really struck a chord with you.
2: Well, probably the two most important books that uh, that I've read in the last couple of years are one that you all. Is the sleep book? Um, do you have the title of the sleep book there? Yep.
1: Uh, why we sleep? Is that why we sleep
2: by Matthew Walker. Oh, there it is.
1: Nice.
2: Um, I think everybody should read that book. It is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good read, and it goes into the to the history of sleep, why we sleep, how we sleep differently during different ages um and how much sleep we should get, how we basically became the dominant species on the planet because of sleep, how sleep formulates our, you know, takes our daily learning and cements it into the hard drive and and, and, and interacts it with all of the other knowledge that we've gained how sleep is res- restorative, you know, For as an athlete, your gains are made during sleep. Your gains aren't made, well, uh, trite phrase, but your gains aren't made while you're running. Your gains are made, you know, after the run. But, um, your gains also aren't made when you're compressing or stretching or or resting. You know, your gains are actually made during sleep. That's when the body, your, your body is as metabolically active during sleep as it is while you're awake during the day. So, you know, I, sleep's the most foundation. The guy that I follow for longevity, his name is Peter Atiyah. Um, he's a kind of longevity expert who, his his lifelong goal is longevity, and he has a podcast that he interviews all kinds of experts in longevity. And, you know, he says of sleep, nutrition, and exercise, if you know, if if one is untouchable, it's sleep. That's the most important thing. So that's kind of important to me. Um
1: so now while you're doing so did you change anything after you, you sort of got onto that book and sort of looked at that? Like I obviously with your job there's a bit of risk there. Like was there anything absolutely. that you tweaked or or used, especially for the night shift? I know we have a few people, my My brother, younger brother, actually works night shift, so I'm always sort of concerned about him. So I'm wondering if you took anything away from that.
2: Yeah, so the you know the World Health Organization has listed sleep as a as a cancer or as excuse me has listed shift work as a cancer risk. And as an ER physician, I do shift work, and particularly night work is the big one. So when I chose to do this, I said, well. You know what's my theory on why it's such a cancer risk, and I thought it was because of lack of sleep, because I know that you know research will tell you that people that do night shift, people that do shift work, don't get as much sleep as people that work nine to five. You know they're keeping their phones on, they're trying to fit some stuff in in the morning and then get up early before they're trying to take care of you know. So I said, well, I think probably sleep is the biggest thing that could. So I always so I always try to maximize my sleep. My family was always fantastic. They know that, you know, when I'm asleep, it's not, my phone is off and I'm not to be bothered unless, you know, people are handing out money on the streets or there's some catastrophic uh, emergency going on. Um, And then, you know, we've maximized the, we moved into a new house in the last year and and we just spent time and energy of of just darkening it out out the room and we use a, 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 a a noisemaker. And so I'm just trying to maximize it that way. So that's, that's the way I think I'm hoping to beat the shift work downside is by maximizing my sleep, but it helps with every aspect of your life too. Emotionally, mentally, your physical, your, your sports performance. So I really recommend everybody read that book. It's, it's fantastic. And I think it'll be really insightful.
1: That's great. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're right on there. And I think because you sort of have a routine that's based around that, night shift, you're probably right that you're mitigating a lot of that, right? You're not going back and forth with the sort of days and nights.
2: But, you know, like for your brother or for anybody who's a shift worker, making sleep the priority and then, you know, just like scheduling your eight hours of sleep and then scheduling when you're getting ready for sleep 30 minutes and then when you're getting up, you know, make that a priority and that's how you can pull it off.
1: Yeah, I love that you're you got the sleep scheduled, you got the workout scheduled in there, and then you know you're going to work and, and doing good work there. Um, so I think that's those are some high performance tips right there. Uh, was there a second book that you, you thought was sort of key last year?
2: I really enjoyed Born to Run. Um, I hadn't read it, and and you know I started running three four years ago, and and now I read Born to Run. And as a you know as a physician scientist, you know just reading the chapters on our foot and why it's completely designed for running and on the body anthropology of why we're completely designed to run. It's just refreshing. You know, maybe I made the right choice. And, and, um, and it's just so well written. But, again, I think that, you know, we were, we're supposed to sleep eight hours a night. And, and I think this book lays out cogent argument that we're supposed to run. Probably barefoot-ish. So I even added a pair of barefoot shoes into my my uh, my shoes cycling. I cycled through my shoes uh, on a daily basis. So uh, so that was fantastic too.
1: Yeah, but, I think that's a smart way to do it for sure. To gradually get there, right? We if we if we didn't start running when we were born, then there's probably a bit of a an on ramp for that getting back to to running maybe barefoot or running more. But take it slow.
0: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. You know, I'll run barefoot on a beach. I'll run with barefoot shoes on the streets, but I won't do it at night yet and things like that, you know. So I'm still going slow because I don't want to end up with a big cut on my foot or a stone bruise and then I can't run for two weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or the soft tissue, too. It seems like I'm Molly's much better with them, but I still find. I'm good walking and hiking and stuff with them, but uh, I, my, I'm very prone to sort of foot and ankle, calf stuff. Whereas Molly tends more towards hip and knee. So, um, I, I, that,
2: that would you know that would argue that you should be on a barefoot platform and migrate towards it, right? That <laughs> was the that's the point of the book is that that's where those injuries come from is that we've gone to. Uh, the cushioned shoes which, that aren't natural So, but also n equals one your experience is your experience and and, and if barefoot type of walking and running injures you it injures Peter Glassford, he can't
1: do it well, Peter Glassford just spent a lot of time pedaling a bicycle with narrow shoes on, unfortunately. so Or, or fortunately, I mean, but much yeah,
2: as my, my barefoot running. Yeah. <laughs> I, I we could go on for an hour about the books, and, I, and that's just another key point is, you know, just this constant learning and adjusting. Um, you know, when I kind of became a consummate athlete several years ago, and then, of course, two years later, I ran into your podcast, which is just serendipitous timing. Um and I've just been reading since then, and it just made my life better. It's made me better mentally and physically, and and I still race my bike pretty good for a 55 year old guy. And I uh, just did a long mountain bike race last weekend, and really enjoyed it.
1: And that's awesome. I think that's you know the important bit we're trying to to get along to people here is you know it's not necessarily that. You're not doing the sport that you, you wanted to do. In many cases, it is cycling, but that uh, but there is sort of maybe an upside if you're 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 feeling better, you're healthier, you know, you're moving better, um, you know, and maybe you're you're even training a bit more because you're able to maintain through weather or busy times or travel, right? Whereas I know a lot of clients they go away on family vacation and there's a big zero in the training log, right? Whereas if they could run, you know, they could be running every day like you do, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And one other, one other point I'd like to bring up too, um, you talked about the family vacations is, is, you know, there's, there's the thought of genetics determining our health and that things run in families. And, you know, recently we've felt, wait a minute, maybe that's not quite so prevalent. Maybe it's just that families do what families do. So if you grew up doing barbecues and beer and, things on the weekends and watching tv and sitting around at night that's what you're going to do and that's what your kids are going to do with you maybe that's why the health is not good where if you grew up in a family that went skiing in the winter and hiking in the summer and and went on vacation and ran on the beach and things like that you're probably going to model that behavior and your kids are going to do that so that's just another important tip i think
1: yeah, I think that gets in and under sort of epigenetics too, right? You might have sort of a prevalency to something, but if your environment then sort of is such that you've mitigated, you know, say diabetes risk with being active throughout your youth and, and with your, your parents or whatever, right, then you're maybe not as prevalent or don't end up with it.
2: Absolutely huge. You're exactly right.
1: Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. There's so much stuff there. Um, and, and, yeah I'm just so psyched that you were that excited you suggested that maybe come on and and chat with us and uh, yeah, we're just Molly and I both really appreciate your listening and and following along with the stuff and support
2: yeah, it's it's a privilege and uh, you know you guys have been inter- interviewing the blue Zone athletes and I hope maybe just inter- interviewing an average athlete is is helpful to you and your audience so
1: was I hope so yeah well we'll see what people people think but I think there's a lot of good takeaways there and I think it is useful to see you know non-pros or or non um, you know someone who's sort of going after you know full-time training right I think sometimes seeing someone who's working pretty hard at their job um, you know and, and how they they do this. That's
2: fantastic so thank you.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, You can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Hereford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind the scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone and it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.